Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, to another episode of the Steelers Fix. I'm your host, Jeremy Betts, back with you after a week off, headed down to Florida, where I got the chance to have not only a week-long vacation, recharge the old batteries, if you will, but also to go see our Pittsburgh Steelers play in a live-action preseason game in Jacksonville. Turns out, the resort I was staying at was only an hour drive from the stadium, and I was like, man, I got to get some tickets and see this thing. So sure enough, got some tickets, good deal on some tickets, was able to take my wife and uh, my two brothers-in-law to the game. It was a lot of fun. We got to see the Steelers play some live-action preseason football, and I got to tell you, the energy was still up. The energy was high for this game uh, for myself, and uh I am going to just recap it real quick for you before we get to the second half of the show where I'll bring in Andrew Wilbar, who always does the Steelers Fix with me, who did a fantastic job by himself last week while I was out. And uh, we're going to talk some fantasy football busts. So don't go anywhere after the first part of the show because the second half, we're going to talk some fantasy football busts with Andrew Wilbar. Uh, for your uh, for the running backs and the tight end groups uh, for fantasy football in 2022. So stick around for that. The Steelers Fix is brought to you by the good people at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. BTSC is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I hope you are checking out all of the online content and all of the audio and video content as well from BTSC. We are here for you, the Steeler fan, to bring you everything you need to know about your Steelers heading into the 2022 season. And, uh, man, I'm glad to be a part of it. All right, so Jacksonville, the Jaguars, they're going to be a good team this year. And I'm not saying they're going to win their division. I'm not saying they're going to push for a playoff spot. But the Jacksonville Jaguars have some pieces that they can be excited about. And they played a lot of those pieces for the majority of the first half. So we got a good test of what the Steelers are going to look like. What the Steelers can bring to the table uh, with their own first team offense and defense that played the majority of the first half as well. So uh, you really got to see um, the ones v. the ones. And... uh, there were times it didn't look so pretty. We'll talk about that here in a second uh, for a few positions specifically. There were times where it looked really 
exciting as well. And I think you all know what we're talking about. When we talk exciting, here at BTSC, we're talking the quarterback competition. We're talking Kenny Pickett, who came out and showed out again. Absolutely balled out in his extremely limited playing time. Got to say, I wish that I had seen a little bit more Kenny Pickett uh, in the second half. And I know they were going to run with the twos at that point, but that's that's part of it as well, getting chemistry with all of these guys on the offense and uh, really taking his game to the next level. I think he has shown everything that the team needed him to show to put himself in the mix. Now, is he going to start at the beginning of the season? Probably not. I think you see Mitchell Trubisky come out, who played a good game as well. We can't say he didn't play a good game. He got beat up. He got bull rushed. The guy was backpedaling from the snap because he had pressure in his face the whole time. He was trying to find a way out. He escaped several times. A couple different times it looked like he was completely done, completely sacked, wrapped up, and he escaped and he made a play either with his legs or tried to get the ball downfield. And I know dangerous throw on the one to Deontay Johnson on the sideline, but honestly there's two Steelers there. Benny Snell was there as well. Benny Snell shouldn't have been anywhere near there. It wouldn't have been close to a pick if Benny Snell was uh, playing football the way you're supposed to and not running the same exact route as Deontay Johnson, putting himself in the same position as DJ. Uh, So, you know, situational awareness as well from other teammates. You can't just throw that all on the quarterback. And the offensive line, man, I'll tell you what, sitting in the 200 sections at Jacksonville, uh, at TIAA Bank Stadium, it was brutal. And I'm sure you saw it on TV as well. I went back and watched the game, uh, the replay on NFL Plus. And, uh, yeah, it was it was that bad. It really was. The Pittsburgh Steelers had no answer for the Jaguars' front seven. And uh, Trayvon Walker looked incredible. If you, if you follow the NFL draft, if you follow the uh, players that, are come, that came out this year, rookie Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he looked awesome. In this game, he fought through blocks like you wouldn't believe. He was aggressive. Uh, He had a couple tackles for loss. I think he pressured the quarterback a couple different times. That defensive line, that front four is really good. And then their edge rushers as well. They're going to be special. So nothing uh, nothing to say that the Steelers did not have good competition out there against them. The Jaguars' defense is going to be something to keep an eye on this year. But we got to talk about the Steelers, right? In this, the Steelers' O-line was not cohesive. Nobody was communicating well. Uh, when you look back at the play itself, you see guys running, when they're supposed to be running pass pro, pass protection schemes where you take your first step back and you're, and you're engaging as you back up, right, to form that pocket. Some of the guys weren't doing that. James Daniels took hard forward steps like he's in run blocking scheme on several different passing attempts and players just blew right by him. Chooksakorfor and Mason Cole held their own. I got to say that. Those two guys played pretty well. Akorfor missed a few things in run blocking. He's going to do that. He's a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. That's just who he is. But the left side of the of the offensive line and James Daniels at right guard abysmal play. We heard on Monday that the uh, that Coach Tomlin 
gave them what for in the locker room in a special team meeting called just to get the offensive line to understand just how epically bad they were <laughs> on Saturday night in Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i not going to gloom and doom this offensive line. There's been a lot of that. I think when you see Pat Meyer and, uh, and Matt Canada put their full scheme into effect in the regular season, it's going to look a lot better. But some of these guys, you just want them to to win their one versus one matchups, their one on one matchups against the opponent sitting in front of them, and we didn't see that. Kevin Dotson looked bad. Kendrick Green looked bad. Dan Moore Jr. He was getting pushed around out there, and some of that's communication. These guys got to work that out. They got to work out playing all together as a cohesive unit. Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield talked about on the uh, post game show. How they just the Steelers just need to figure out who their starting five is and get them out there and get them playing together. They need to be, I've said the word a lot, cohesive. They need to be working together, getting better as a unit for this team to improve on the offensive line. I think they can get there. I really do. James Daniels, very poor preseason so far. Steelers big free agency addition, right? 24 years old, but a four-year starter in this league. He doesn't just all of a sudden not know how to block, right? It's communication. He's going to figure it out. So don't panic there. But the left side of the offensive line, ooh, that's a little scary. We need some of these guys to step up. Otherwise, the Steelers are going to have to start looking outside the building to figure out what is going on and how to protect their investments at quarterback, which look pretty good so far. Pretty darn good. Mitch Trubisky looks pretty good. Kenny Pickett. Man, what what more can you say about Kenny Pickett? He looks great. Mason Rudolph. The guy looks like, like Mike Tomlin said, a varsity player in a junior varsity game. That's what he looks like. In the second half of that game, he was in command. And I know it was a lot of dink and dunk, dunk stuff and uh, spreading the ball out to these second and third string and fourth string wide receivers and tight ends and whatnot and running backs. And the, the offense couldn't run the ball. <laughs> I mean... What was it? It was like 24 yards rushing for 1.7 yards per carry. That's not going to cut it. That's a whole nother topic. But, man, just being there on the, at the game in the 200 section, pretty close to the field. I got, a good, I got a good view from the field or of the field from where I was sitting. And I got to tell you, the things that jumped out to me in the positive, the quarterbacks know what they're doing. They're comfortable in this scheme. All three of these guys could come in. I really believe this. All three of these guys could come in against Cincinnati in week one on September 11th and play just fine. All three of these guys. Mitch Trubisky to me gives the offense the most upside right now. That's why I think the Steelers will go with him. He's the, he's the most knowledgeable in how to use his legs. He does it very well. He's shown a scapability that is early Ben Roethlisberger-esque. And I know he does it in a different way. He's he's more uh, athletic. He's not necessarily as – he's not a big hulking guy that just sheds tackles. But he, he knows how to squirm and, and squeak his way out. And he does it very well. And he throws with anticipation. He has good chemistry with the guys. Uh, I think Trubisky gives the Steelers their best chance. He's – to win right out the gate. But all three of those guys look good. The wide receiver core this year is going to be special. Mark it down right now. 
special. I'm talking everybody. I'm talking Deontay Johnson, who looks still like the Steelers' number one wide receiver. He does. No qualms about that. Chase Claypool. Man, when he is used correctly, when you use him right, when you get a guy who can put the ball where it needs to be for Chase Claypool, he's going to feast. We saw it. We saw it with Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Despite some ugly penalties that called some plays back. And that's a topic for another day as well. But the wide receiver room is going to be special. George Pickens. Can't wait to see Calvin Austin get out there. He's going to make the team, even though he hasn't played in preseason. He's too explosive. He's too high of a of a investment for the Steelers for them to not get him out on the field at some point. He's going to make the roster. But all the fringe guys, Miles Boykin, Gunnar Olszewski, um, Tyler Vaughn's Man, Tyler Vaughn's impresses me every time he touches the football. And then uh, you even saw plays from Tyler Sneed, and you saw plays uh, you know, from all of these guys. Steven Sims. You know, these guys are – it's going to be a, a great wide receiver room. The Steelers can only keep so many, but the six, five, six, seven they keep, whatever number that is, it's going to be a special unit. The running back room, I like the depth. They need help from the offensive line. Hopefully this offensive line puts it together for Najee Harris, who should get some playing time, I think, in this uh, week three preseason game coming up. Was a little disappointed I didn't get to see him run, but uh, after the way the offensive line played, I'm glad. Just let him rest it out. Give them another a week to gel together and get him out on the field. That's the way to do it. And then let's transition to the defensive side of the ball. I've talked about the offensive line already. You know where I stand. You know what I saw there. The defense... The run defense looked a little shaky at first, but they calmed down. They got things together, and uh, Travis Etienne is going to be an explosive back this year for all you fantasy guys out there. Travis Etienne, that ADP needs to bump up a little bit. There's some guys in front of him that have no business being in front of him. He's going to be a, a baller this year. Trevor Lawrence looked good as well, anticipating routes. He was the best quarterback on the field, I can say that. Uh, and that's no knock on the Steelers quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. And that's just what it is. The arm talent's there. The the field recognition, the speed is there. And yes, he missed a couple throws, but still, he is good. But enough about him. The, the secondary looks good. I think the secondary is going to be a very solid piece of this defense. It is not going to be a weakness. If there's a weakness on this defense, it is at linebacker. It is outside linebacker depth, and it is also inside linebacker just everybody but Miles Jack right now, right? Devin Bush, I'm not as I'm not as bummed out on Devin Bush as most people. I think he can still be a solid player for the Steelers this year. I just think he needs to get in the action, right? He needs to have that motivation of being in the action to make it work. And uh I I don't love what I've seen out of him. Not saying that he's going to right the ship or whatever, but he's the best thing the Steelers have right now. Uh outside of Miles Jack, and, uh, you know, that's just the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be this season. So hopefully that doesn't kill the team, but I think the defensive line is is full of depth. Uh, that was the first time we got some of those guys out there on the field, so the rushing stuff at the beginning of the game doesn't bother me at all. So Ogunjobi, um, Aluwalu, Cam Hayward when he gets back out there, Chris Wormley, DeVar- DeMarvin Leal, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk, all of these guys, that, that's a very deep group. It's like the wide receiver room on the offense. The defensive line is going to be special. That front seven is going to be special. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Steelers uh, take what we saw in this game and continue on with it. And from 
a live action game, sloppy game, bad penalties, ugly offensive line play, not so great defensive line play to start things out. But they, like I said, they fixed it. After seeing them in person, I'm excited about this team. There are some issues, and uh, I, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but that's enough talk from me. You've heard enough from Jeremy Betts here at the beginning of the show. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it is Andrew Wilbar joining me, and we're going to talk some Steelers. No, I'm sorry. We're not going to talk some Steelers draft bus. We're going to talk some fantasy draft bus across the league, all players at the running back and tight end positions. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back on the Steelers fit. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix, as promised. Andrew Wilbar is back. We've had kind of a, you know, a crazy week. He's off to college again. I was on vacation, so he filled in for both of us last week. And uh, the first half of the show was pretty unique, right? Because I got to go to a Steeler game, got to see them play against Jacksonville. We talked about that in the first half if you didn't hear the first half of the show. But Andrew's back. Andrew, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. I'm excited. We've got two games in the books now. I'm excited to see uh, what's in store for the finish out. Well, at this point, the but I mean, we've only got one preseason game left, and then we've got, what, one week in between the preseason and the regular season. So we're not that far away from Steelers football. I'm excited. 17, maybe 16 days from the regular season kicking off with Thursday night football. Buffalo Bills, Los Angeles Rams. I'm excited for that game. Just not just because it's football kickoff, but because it's two of the best teams in the league squaring off against each other. Then obviously Steelers Bengals is the Steeler nation game of the week. We'll talk about that as we get a little bit closer, but today, Andrew, we're going to continue. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago, and we're going to close out our talk of fantasy football draft bus, potential draft bus that you're probably paying some decent draft capital before four, uh, but they could uh, it potentially be a bad choice in that p- position for you if you uh, spent the draft capital on them, maybe top third. I think we're doing top 30 running backs and wide receivers, and then top 15 quarterbacks, tight ends, thereabouts. So, uh, you know, it's it was interesting. We both did this exercise together, and we both realized, man, tight end's tough because there's obviously not that many. And uh, once you get through the top 10 or so, you're like, man, I, you know, those are the kind of guys that I'm targeting. So how can I pick a bust out of here? But we were able to come through for you. And, you know, Andrew, I'll, I'll speak for myself here. You can tell me your thoughts too, but just because I label a guy a, a potential bust here doesn't mean I necessarily believe he will do that, but it's the situations are in place here that could see him reach that level uh, for one reason or another. What are your thoughts? Right. I agree uh, with a couple of these guys. I mean, fantasy football is so relative and is there's so much in play and generally it comes down to injuries. That's really what it comes down to that. You always have a few every year that just do not perform well, but generally there's an injury behind it, whether we see it at the beginning or whether we find out about it, maybe after the season or they were right. dealing with sign or there were issues with the coaching staff. There are so many issues amongst those players. It's not that we hate these players specifically, uh, 
it, with my guys, it's just, you know, some, whether it be injury concerns, just things I'm hearing from camp training camp and, you know, just guys that even if I think have a chance to pop just guys, I'm not confident enough to spend the draft capital, or at least based on their ADP, unless they have a dramatic fall in my draft. Absolutely. And you know, we'll, I guess we're, we're approaching it from the same perspective, which is good. That'll give you the listener a chance to really uh, kind of get where we're coming from with this. And uh, so let's just dive right into it, Andrew. Uh, we're talking running backs and tight ends this week. A couple of weeks ago, we went over the wide receivers and the uh, quarterbacks. So uh, kind of rounding out the main skill positions for fantasy football. Uh, let's just dive in. Who, who you got at running back? Uh, you can just give me your first player. Maybe the guy you think is most likely of your three candidates, because I think we both have three candidates here, to be a bust in 2022. I think the most likely, just based upon what I'm hearing, is Clyde Edwards Healer, and he's barely in that top 30 now. His ADP is continuing to drop. Um, I was barely able to put him in here. I believe his ADP is 71 now. So he's not like one of those first round, second round, third round busts that you may be looking for. But he's a guy, there's no way I'm drafting this guy. This is the one guy on my list that I cannot find a scenario where I really would put him on my roster. He's just not that good. And I mean, even coming out of college, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I didn't have a high grade on him, but even when you watch him in college, I mean, his offensive line was what made a lot of that happen. What made a lot of that offense happen. I mean, they had Sadiq Charles, Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, they had several good guards at the time. They had a good offensive line at LSU. And that was kind of the unsung part of that team. All the receivers, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, they got the credit. Joe Burrow got credit. And Clyde Edwards-Healer got credit. Thaddeus Moss, even the tight end. But nobody talked about that offensive line. It was actually a pretty solid unit, especially in the run game. And CH, he just doesn't have that burst that you need in the open field. He's not Darren Sproles. He doesn't have that extra gear. And his vision isn't as good as what – people may have thought coming out because a lot of times the holes were there, even in sec, that was supposed to be a good defensive uh, comparatively speaking to the rest of college football, good defensive conference. Uh, but that was the first year when we really saw a lot more of the air raid concepts entering the sec. And now the sec is, you know, it's, in my opinion, the big 10 has a lot better defense uh, for the majority of the league than even the sec does anymore. But yeah, I'm just not a fan of CEH this year and probably never will be. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. He's a complete pass for me in drafts. I, I've had three drafts of my 12 so far for the 2022 season, and I have avoided him like the plague. <laughs> and uh, nothing against Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, as, the, as a person, as a player. I think he could end up being more valuable to the Chiefs 2022 success than he will be for your fantasy team uh, just because of the way they're going to try to use him. And, you know, he kind of – Originally, when I saw Javante Williams at North Carolina, he gave me a Clyde Edwards-Alaire vibe as far as the contact balance and the ability to just absorb the hit and keep going. That hasn't really translated to the NFL for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So you don't get in situations where he catches the ball out in the flat and you're like, okay, just make a guy miss and you can make a big play. He doesn't often make that guy miss, right? So even his opportunities, he's not taking advantage of. And the Chiefs are going to be an RBBC running back by committee. I think you're going to see that in that offense because the offense runs through Mahomes and the passing game sets up the running game. So uh, I'm staying away from the chiefs backfield really <laughs> uh, in this scenario. And as you don't like CEH, Isaiah Pacheco, you know, as a, maybe a late round flyer, but, but uh, I'm for the most part, I like some other rookie candidates in that uh, 
category a little bit better. So um, I agree with you on the CEH talk. Okay, so my most likely bust, I think, for this year uh, at the running back position, especially with where he's being taken, is Cordero Patterson, who is a – he's RB29 right now. His ADP is 76, according to the uh, Fantasy Pros uh, consensus ADP. And uh, I think he had kind of – he had a crazy year last year, right? He was the guy in that Atlanta offense for much of the year uh, while Kyle Pitts was getting into his role there. And, um, you know, with the loss of uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, the offense had to go somewhere and they went through Cordero Patterson. Matt Ryan's not there anymore, right? This offense is going to look a lot different than it did last year with the more mobile quarterbacks that they have there, whether it's Marcus Mariota taking the majority of the snaps this year, whether it's it's the rookie um, Desmond Ritter coming in and taking snaps. The offense is going to look a lot different this year. And I think they're going to rely on more of a standard traditional style run game. And I think that that's why Tyler Algier is getting a lot of hype out of Atlanta Falcons camp and why he looked good in preseason action even as well. Cornell Patterson to me is a big risk. If you're looking for a guy, um, probably you're, you're staying away from him completely if you're working in standard scoring leagues but even in PPR you know he's a guy that maybe he provides some value to you as a fill-in player but if you're going to rely on him as a as a flex option on a weekly basis I don't know if that works in 2022 we'll see could be totally wrong but the scenario could take shape for me here where Cordero Patterson ends up being a complete fantasy bust and falls way down the running back rankings by the end of the season you got somebody else on your list here uh, that I completely agree with you about out of Washington, Andrew, is a potential bust. Yeah, Antonio Gibson is a guy we're hearing a lot of rumors about. He's been practicing some of the special teams now, returning kicks, returning punts. It does not look good for Gibson. And I'm not taking away from his abilities as a kick returner, but uh, he was very explosive in that facet in college. Uh, but at that time, he also was not a full-time running back either. He was converted right. to that after he was in the NFL with Washington. And it just comes down to the fact that Ron Rivera does not seem to like him. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. I, he's struggled to hold on to the football. He's having some fumbling issues. He's had They've continued in camp. And they drafted a guy in the third round by the name of Brian Robinson, who is a really good running back. He was yes. he had dealt with some injuries, so he wasn't always available at Alabama. But, man, when he was, you can make an argument he was one of the best running backs in the country. I mean, six foot one, 225 pounds, can run in the four fours. I mean, this guy's got it all. He's got three down potential, and he's a guy that I think could be doing a lot more than just some goal line work early on. And I mean, if you would have asked me this two weeks ago, I would have had no clue. But looking at it now, I'm not touching Antonio Gibson unless he falls to maybe like fourth or fifth round. And Mm -hmm. I don't think in most leagues he's even falling that far, even with a dropping ADP right now. And that doesn't make sense to me because I think you see as as a whole the – the situation there is yeah. not shaping up for Antonio right. Gibson to be a, a main factor there. Brian Robinson out of Alabama was one of the more underrated prospects in the entire draft. In my opinion, the way he ran uh, at Alabama, even if he's uh, Josh Jacobs style player at the NFL level, that's, that's better than Antonio Gibson. I'd and he's say. more versatile than Jacobs. Yes. I, I agree as well. He's got more uh, pass catching versatility and uh, he can run between the tackles or bounce it outside. He's got the ability to do both. Vastly underrated. I think he's going to establish himself in that offense pretty quickly. So I, I agree with you there. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that 
I struggled putting on this list just because of the, of the name recognition, I guess, but that may be also a reason that he could easily make it on this list. And that's Dallas Cowboys, Zeke Elliott staying in the NFC East here. Um, I, I, really one, one word comes to mind. That's Pollard, <laughs> Tony Pollard, right? Uh, he's looked more explosive the last couple of years than Zeke Elliott. And I know we're hearing out of camp, the Elliott Renaissance is real. He's got more energy this year. He's he's got that spring in his step again. He's ready to go. And you know, all the hullabaloo that comes out of camps for player A has a rejuvenated attitude and is ready to to reestablish himself as a uh, all pro type player. I don't know about that for, for Zeke Elliott. Can he be efficient enough with the amount of touches he's gonna get to warrant? a pick in the uh, – like he's running back 15 right now. I mean, you're, you're talking about a high-end running back too, and that's over guys like James Conner. <laughs> James Conner to me is is a guy I would rank way ahead of Zeke Elliott right now. Um, you've got Cam Akers in there who could be incredible. Travis Etienne, we just saw him this last week look good against the Steelers. You know, guys that have a better pathway to touches and volume than Elliott does and have proven – over the last couple of years to be more efficient and more uh, valuable players using those, those reps and targets. So um, Zeke Elliott's a big risk to me. If you're relying on him to be your RB two with, and if you're drafting Zeke Elliott, you're probably hoping that he pushes up into that RB one category. And I think there's some guys that are being drafted after him that have a better chance of doing that. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on Elliott real quick before we go on to the next one. I think he can be a competent RB2. I don't think he's going to be an RB1, but I mean, last year was a down year. The question is whether he's going to continue to regress or if that last year is his floor, because last year was really, you could make an argument that was his worst year as a pro. I think, I mean, Pollard's going to see a lot of receiving work, but I'm not sure how much he's going to take away from Elliott. He was already taking some snaps away from Elliott, but I think if Elliott's efficiency improves just a little bit, I think you'll still see him. I believe he was still a, like a top 15 running back last year, still, even in a down year, definitely top 20, but I believe he was even top 15 runner in certain formats. You know, even when you look at that, it's not like, you know, the sky is falling. We can't drive Zeke Elliott and, you know, the fourth, you know, the top four or five rounds, but at the same time, he's not a guy. I mean, even though Saquon Barkley is a risk, I believe in the upside of Barkley more than, I would Zeke Elliott. So I would draft a Saquon Barkley before him and Aaron Jones, just because the efficiency, yeah. I think he's a guy I would probably draft ahead of Zeke. Um, but if Elliott fell to like the fourth round, I would take a JK Dobbins ahead of him. But you know, if he fell to the fourth or fifth round, I wouldn't technically cross him off my board, but just kind of like you were talking about at the beginning and stuff, not necessarily a guy that you completely cross off, but a guy you right. probably wouldn't want to draft based on his average ADP. Yeah. Don't, don't reach for Zeke Elliott is what I guess what we're saying here. Right. Uh, if he's there around his ADP and you think, and you've got a good running back as your RB one, you're like, I just need an RB two. You could do worse, I guess, but don't go running up the card before, before you need to for Zeke Elliott. All right. Before we get to the tight ends, let's just run through our last guy real quick. A couple points about him. We each had three running backs. So on to your third guy here, Andrew, just real quick before we hit the tight ends. Yeah, I've got Rashad Penny. He's already dealt with a groin injury this camp. I just don't expect him to stay healthy at some point. I know they invested in two offensive tackles in Seattle, but neither of them are that good of run blockers. So right. I, I don't know how much their run blocking really improved and their passing game as a whole is going to struggle. They could be from 
coming from behind a lot and not running the ball. Um, and I think Kenneth Walker, even though he didn't do a ton of pass catching in college, he's a lot more capable of catching passes out of the backfield and being better in a game that they're behind in. Um, but one other guy I want to mention real quick, a guy, not necessarily a bust, but a guy I wouldn't draft as high as he's going, especially in non-PPR and half-PPR formats, is Austin Eckler. Uh, just based on the fact Joshua Kelly is showing out really good in camp, and Isaiah Spiller can do some early down work. And they spent decent draft capital on him as well. So he's a guy, I think, toward the end of the season as well. If they want to, maybe if they want to keep him healthy for the postseason, if they want to keep Eckler fresh, don't be surprised if they incorporate some Isaiah Spiller and some Joshua Kelly. And especially if they go up ahead in games, if they get a big lead, they may just take Eckler out of the game and you won't see those points that you typically see from a running back later in games. So he's a guy I probably wouldn't draft in the first eight or so picks if I'm in a, just a standard redraft league. Unlike the Steelers who have said, we want to uh, decrease Najee Harris's touches a little bit this year. And then they didn't really go out and get anybody that makes you think that they actually really want to do that. The Chargers talk about, hey, you know, Eckler's, he's amazing, but we don't want him to, to we don't want to blow the tires off him. So what did they do? They went out and got a lot of people's RB1 in the draft, right? Isaiah, Isaiah mm-hmm. Spiller. So, um, you know, it's like they they put they took steps to reach that goal a little bit more than maybe the Steelers did with Najee Harris. So I think when you hear talk, Austin Eckler's not going to be as heavy a workload. He's not going to have as heavy a workload. I think you can put a little bit more stock into that for sure. I'm going to go Damian Harris for my last guy. Ramondre Stevenson looks good uh, for the Patriots. Um my South Dakota State boy, uh, Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong, yes. Uh, Pierre Strong looks really good in limited action in the preseason. Bill Belichick and his cohorts, they like running back by committee. I mean, they are the definition of RBBC, right, and how they do things. So uh, Damian Harris to me is a little bit of a fade at his ADP. And uh, let me find it here again. I think he's going, uh, yeah, RB28 he could fall outside the top 30 pretty easily in my opinion. And uh, I wouldn't uh, be too surprised. You could find him down uh, more with guys like Melvin Gordon, who's going about running back 40, you know, a guy who has a timeshare with an explosive back and Ramondre Stevenson has proven to be the more explosive back there when he's running well. So I could see him taking another step this year and Damian Harris, falling a little bit because of that all right let's let's go straight over to the tight ends and uh i only had two guys i'm gonna go ahead and mention those two guys and then uh andrew you give me your three guys and and talk about uh what you got so just real quick for me mike gesicki in miami kind of a breakout here year for him last year was a really good tight end i think uh, at one point he was the tight end three on the year and he didn't finish too far beyond that he was really good um but i think Miami's really loaded themselves with a bunch of weapons this year. And uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Tua to force the ball to his wideouts, to uh, Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle. Those guys are going to get the, the the majority of the target share. And is Tua good enough to spread the ball around to all these guys and make something work or make it work? Something's not going to work in this offense for all these hyped up fantasy assets, right? If I'm going to make a bet on one of them, it's Mike Gesicki because we have seen we've seen him play well, but it's been more limited than um, 
Tyreek Hill, obviously. And then Jalen Waddle's just so explosive. I don't know how you don't give the guy the football. So we're going to see how that plays out in Miami. I'm fading uh, Mike Gesicki behind uh, some guys that uh, I just like a little bit better. And then Kyle Pitts is the other guy. And I might get some, some flack for putting him on this list. But Kyle Pitts, the quarterback situation in Atlanta is shaky. Right. We don't know how that's going to play out. They are going to run um, a different style offense with the, the more mobile quarterbacks. One thing you could say is that these guys could rely on Kyle Pitts a lot to uh, move the offense. He is clearly their best offensive asset. But then again, they may not be very good this year. <laughs> you know, they may be uh, struggling to move the ball. He's going to get the majority of the double teams. Can these quarterbacks still make it work? it's a little scary to think about. So Kyle Pitts is going as tight end four right now, tight end three or four. And uh, that's high for me, right? Maybe tight end six, seven, eight, that feels a lot better. Um, If he falls there, if somebody's like, I am love Darren Waller this year, I'm loving George Kittle this year, whatever, something like that. And he falls a little bit, then I'll take him, but I'm not taking him as my tight end three this year. All right, Andrew, who you got for tight ends to wrap up our fantasy draft busts. Well, my big one is George Kittle and if this, he's the biggest boomer bust tight end. I believe that yeah. when healthy, he's the best tight end in the game. I really do with his blocking ability combined with his receiving ability. I think he's the most complete tight end in the NFL, but with Trey Lance, we don't know. And it's kind of right. not like Patrick Mahomes with Travis Kelsey. When he first became the quarterback, there are a lot of rumors coming out of the camp. You know, Mahomes threw another interception. He can't hit Travis Kelsey over the middle. What's going to happen. And Kelsey started off slow, but very quickly, he, they were able to pick it up and Kelsey still went on to have a phenomenal season in the past several years has been uh, the most dominant tight end in all fantasy football. So it, it could obviously work the opposite way and he could end up tight end one. It wouldn't surprise me, but just because we don't know what, who he's going to cling to, he could cling to Brandon. Ayuk. He's worked with the second team a lot. You know, may, that may be his guy, Debo Samuel. What's his role going to be? It's just so hard to tell with Kittle and he's going to in some leagues as the tight end two or tight end three. And I'm just not ready to go that high uh, with him. Top six, seven, I can understand a little bit more Uh, kind of like what you thought with Kyle Pitts. They're pretty much in the same boat for me. Um, But my other two guys are Dawson Knox one, just because they brought in OJ Howard. I know that they don't have Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders or guys like that. Uh, But Gabriel Davis has stepped in. It looks like he's going to be a legitimate number two wide receiver across from Stephon Diggs. And if they can get a lead, obviously Josh Allen, we know, is going to run the ball a lot. Uh, But they also added James Cook. They still have running backs. They seem to like Devin Singletary more than the rest of us do. And Zach Moss has proven that when he's healthy, which is very rare, but when he's healthy, he can run the ball and be an efficient runner. So I I think that just based upon all those things, I don't think he's going to improve upon what he did last year. The rate that he was getting – based on the usage of how many routes he was running, I think it was like 14.7% or something like that. He is getting a touchdown per um, target or, or like per rep. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, I yeah. believe it was, yeah, yeah, like 14.7% of his targets. Is, I mean, that's not going to happen again. I don't see that happening. Uh, so it reminds I don't think- me of Robert Tunyon from a, a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. Super touchdown dependent. Same type of situation. Yeah. Definitely. So I, he's a guy I'm kind of fading a little bit outside the top 10. And then another guy is Zach Ertz. He's right on that fringe of a top 10 yep. tight end. Sometimes he goes a little bit higher in, in leagues. But Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury system in their spread offense, they've just never really used the tight end. I know they haven't had a bunch of great guys, but they brought in bodies um, the past mm. couple of years, and they've just never really used them. They've never shown interest in using them. Plus, they just drafted a guy by the name of Trey McBride, uh, who is considered by most as the top tight end in this year's draft. 
uh, who has good athleticism and a guy I think that they could use a lot, even point him out in the slot. I just don't know what Zach Ertz is like anymore. We haven't seen the Zach Ertz we're used to seeing for right. a couple of years now. And it takes time to develop a chemistry with a quarterback. And they still have Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown, who Kyle Murray already has a connection with. And DeAndre Hopkins will be joining them in week seven. So I, I, it's just not a situation that I want to get involved with. So Zach Ertz is a guy I'm not jumping on with this year. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Zach Ertz, because I, I like him early in the season because I think um, with DeAndre Hopkins out, he's going to be there probably their best red zone threat in the passing game. So, you know, he might be a guy that you could use, you know, and and uh, use really well in the first half of the season, first four or five games. And then he might be a guy you can sell high on um, at that point when you're looking at the the return of DeAndre Hopkins. And uh, if that's the case, maybe you can bring in a guy, um, you know, maybe struggling a little bit. Maybe Darren Waller takes a little bit of time to, uh, you know, work in this offense with the new additions that they've made on uh, at receiver. But I think Waller's a guy that could be uh, a huge breakout candidate this year, like to kind of regain his 2020 form, if you will, because 2021 was a little bit of an off year for him. Um, so, you know, something like that could be still a usable piece, but I agree with you. I think Ertz kind of falls into that category of a lot of weapons, uh, uncertainty uh, with the offensive play calling and uh, his role in the offense and a guy behind him that could push him for some snaps. Andrew, as always, it's fun. Uh, thank you for uh, filling in when I was not here this last week uh, and uh, just running the whole show. It was an awesome show. I enjoyed it. And uh, I love your 53 man roster, by the way. I think that they should definitely the issue is that like the go. day after yeah. <laughs> it came out, like two of the guys got injured. Anthony Miller got injured. I'm like, oh, and then, yeah, yeah. and then master T got waived. Master I'm T, like, man, yeah. steers are killing me. They did. Yeah, man. Uh, but Hey, you know, it's, it's looking like a lot of the, those main uh, players are going to be, be available. So we'll see how it goes uh, until next time. Whoa, I almost, I just knocked my headphones right out of my head. That was fun to watch. <laughs> I'll bet it was. Uh, I was trying to go for a smooth exit. Didn't work. So let's just wrap it up real, real nice here with a bow. Uh, Andrew, it's been fun. Again, you can find more Steelers content, all the Steelers content you want from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Until next time on the Steelers Fix, for Andrew Wilbar, I'm Jeremy Betts. Have a good one. Hey.